0: Comics,
1: movies, music,
0: video games, technology,
2: Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No Netflix, no iPads, no Instagram, no podcasts.
1: Welcome to episode 73 of the Walking Dead TV podcast, where we'll be discussing season three, episode two, Sick. I'm Jordan from Jersey, and I'm joined tonight by Mr. Jim Dietz, Brad Milo, and Johnny M., and soon to be uh, Mr. Russell Latham. He's just running a bit late. How are you guys doing tonight?
0: Very well. I'm doing a lot better than Herschel, thanks.
3: <laughs> I'm doing well. I've got some coffee drinking out of my Daryl Dixon coffee mug.
1: Ooh, very nice. Does that come with
3: ears? No, I just said that to make the Dixon scream at me. Uh,
1: I think oh, the, right, the I handle think. should be an ear. It's the right
3: shape. I don't, yeah, that would be good, though. I would drink out of Daryl's uh, mug. Easy, easy. Wait a minute. I would drink out of a coffee mug that had Daryl's picture on it. Is that better? Yes.
1: Okay, here's the mug. Right. It's, it's a hollowed-out squirrel skull, but it's got a human ear as the handle. It's coming right out of the back of the squirrel's head.
3: That would be pretty nice. Yeah.
1: Disgusting, but awesome looking. Anyway, before we get into our discussion of this week's episode, before we talk about our sponsor, before we talk about news, we've got some unfinished business from last week's episode to get to. So, Brad, why don't you lead us with that?
4: And by yeah, unfinished got... business, Jordan means Brad hate mail.
3: <laughs> that, that's that's almost uh, that's almost entirely accurate. Apparently, apparently, I'm a big uh, dummy. The minutes um, say that the Brad hate mail is ongoing. So. Yeah, we got uh, we got a handful of emails and voicemails. Uh, concerning the zombie bite issue. I'm just going to breeze through some of these real quick, So um, some of these emails, and then I'll play a couple of voicemails. Larry Waters says, Guys, I love your podcast, but I found myself yelling at the radio in my car because of the conversation at the end of this episode. Brad, come on, man. I can't believe that was even a conversation. Then he goes on to list two things, one of which I'm not going to say out loud because it's comic-related. And as you guys know, we don't like to spoil the comic for those of you who... Haven't read it, but want to. So I'm going to skip number two. Larry, I hope you understand that. Uh, I'm Number one. Larry says, what do you mean, number two said, what do you mean no evidence that bites don't kill? Did you watch episode one? Did you listen to the conversation between Rick and Morgan about how uh, his wife died? Morgan said, it's the bite that kills you. The fever just burns you out. His wife died from the bite. Then she turned. I can't even believe that this irritated me to this extent. I've never emailed a podcast before, but I can't believe that this was missed. Love the podcast, guys. Keep up the good work. Larry in Virginia. Now, uh, apparently, I'm the only one that missed it, Larry, so give the rest of the guys a break. And I'm glad we irritated you enough to contact us. That's always nice to hear from our listeners. We look forward to
4: irritating you again.
3: Yes.
1: Yes, don't be shy. Write in or call us again in the future.
3: I actually don't remember that conversation or didn't remember that conversation that, that Morgan had until everybody and their brother mentioned it to me. So, yeah, I remember that I um but it begs the question to me if Rick thinks the bite's going to kill Herschel, then why bother to cut his leg off? Because
1: if you can get the saliva or whatever's in that bite from before it gets into his bloodstream, you might be able to cut it off, maybe.
4: And I think Rick is also guessing there's no guarantee that it
1: works. I mean, yeah, he needs Herschel alive for his wife's sake.
3: right, true. You know, and I guess that's the way—that's the way I was looking at it. You know, there's no guarantee that it's gonna—that it's gonna kill Herschel, the bike. You know, but no. I, 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 well, actually,
4: I, I'm sorry, Brad. I actually meant there's no guarantee that cutting the leg off is going to save him. I just think that that was oh, Rick's
3: oh, okay. only shot. Well, Rick even said out loud, he goes, "The only way to keep him alive is to cut his leg off." Was that just him hoping? That I it mean, would keep him alive for the most part.
0: On the other hand, they handcuffed him to the bunk. You know what I mean? They weren't sure whether or not he right. was going to live, die, be a zombie, what what have you. So, you know, I think it was, it's a lot of guesswork like uh, John is saying.
3: Yeah, let's follow this up with an email from Mark. Uh, he says, I was listening to your commentary on the bite in the, the episode. Seed. I'm thinking a zombie bite is like a Komodo dragons. Komodos don't immediately kill with their bite. They wait for all the bacteria in their saliva to do the dirty work for them. So if you're bitten, the bite infection kills you, which allows for the zombie virus to assert itself. As much as I'd like Herschel to survive, I don't think he will be long for this world. Even though Rick put a tourniquet on him, the body can circulate all six quarts of blood through the body three times in one minute. So if you want to be all nitpicky and stuff, the bacteria had time to circulate before Rick cut off the blood foe. If he does survive, I'd be okay with it. After all, we're suspending disbelief enough to allow for the existence of zombies, so why not a good leg chopping to save his life? So...
1: Yeah, I guess your only hope at that point is, you know, yes, that's absolutely true. And granted, I am not a medical doctor, but I have a feeling that that three minutes or the three times in a minute is if it's in the artery. If it's in like surface blood, it might take longer to get to the artery to then be pumped through the body. But I could be completely off base. Again, it's, it's fictional,
3: we're hoping. Sal from Brooklyn also in an email uh, says basically the same thing that our first email said. It's the bite that does it. Morgan and Rick talk about it. Why aren't you paying attention, Brad? You're a big dummy. I must say that um, I
4: didn't remember that it was Morgan who explained it. I mean, I remember that it was—I remembered that it was explained, and that's what I kind of based my argument on. But I didn't remember it was that scene with Morgan either. Seems like we haven't seen Morgan in—well, uh, hey, forever.
3: Twenty episodes. Let's play an e- uh, a voicemail uh, concerning the same topic. This is Brian.
5: Hey, Walking Dead TV podcast. This is uh, Brian from Illinois. And, uh, just got done listening to your podcast, uh, for the episode seed guys, great job. I, this is like, you, you really guy you have no idea how much I look forward to watching the episode and then coming back, uh, a couple of days later and listening to you guys, uh, with the recap of the episode. Cause you guys point out so many things that maybe I didn't see the first time or, or things that like jolt my memory, like, Oh yeah, I remember that. and. So so, thank you guys. It was a great episode. I just wanted to say that I, I want to give it
0: 4.5
5: busters. Um, I feel like the episode, the pacing is a lot better. I know Jordan, you didn't, you thought it was kind of there were some slow slow moments, but all in all, I thought that uh, the pacing is going to be fixed due to the fact that um, you've got the story branched off into two different groups now. You've got Rick's group, and then you've also got the group with Andrea and Michonne. So, like, when things are boring in in Rick's group, they could flip over, and the next thing you know, you see Michonne slicing heads off of zombies. And then they, you know, or with Michonne and Andrea, if they're just in a discussion, you come back, and the next thing you know, uh, in Rick's group, Daryl's, you know, got an arrow flying through a zombie, back of a zombie's head, or or Carl's, uh, you know, blowing away a zombie, something like that. So I think the pacing was a little bit better, uh, this episode that it was like back in the farm. So, um I all in all I thought it was a great episode. I give it a solid 4.5. Um but uh yeah guys, once again, I, I can't I can't uh thank you guys enough for for doing this podcast. It's fantastic. Keep up the great work and I uh, can't wait for the uh next episode. Sick. All right guys, take care. Bye.
1: Well, thank you for listening, man. We appreciate it.
5: Yeah,
3: awesome. I would agree that the uh the pacing is um A lot different, and you know, in my opinion, better. Also,
1: oh yeah, and and I, you know, I tried to say this, and I probably didn't say it very well last week. I didn't think the episode was paced poorly so much as there was just a few points where I find found myself bored, and I
3: couldn't understand why. I mean, the episode was full of action. I got another couple of voicemails. Let's just listen to those real quick. This is Brett.
2: Hey guys, this is Brett from Boston. Uh, I was just calling in to give my review of the uh, season premiere from last night. So. I I think they nailed it honestly. It was by far the most entertaining episode of all three seasons for me so far. So um there are like there are really three points that I think they they did really well. The first one was the big time gap. So it seems like maybe not a year but at least half a year has passed and that kind of allows the story to naturally move forward with new events and evolved characters. It's kind of like I don't know they've wiped the slate Queen from last season and they, they have a new starting point now. So that's really cool. Um, second point, obviously lots of action. I think, I think, uh, I heard them say on the Comic Con panel that, you know, the number of, of kills this episode was more than the entire first season. And, um, yeah, it was just really action packed. That was great. And, uh, the third point, I think this is the most important one. Um, the exhibit, uh, the ex, exposition, sorry, <laughs> exposition and dialogue uh, seem way more natural and less forced this time around. It seems like the writers realized that they were, you know, they and just clobbering people over the heads with this unnatural dialogue with characters explaining their feelings and stuff like that. And I mean, I feel like now it's the the kind of body language and this more subtle communication like between Rick and Laurie and and stuff like that. You know they're they're not forcing it down our throats anymore. It's it's happening more like it would in real life. So anyway, I think it was great all around, and uh, looking forward to hearing your guys' take on it. Um, so anyway, keep up the good work. It's a great podcast. Uh, see you later. Thank
3: you, Brett. We also got another voicemail from Jason concerning the zombie bites, pretty, saying pretty much the same thing that everybody else has been saying. In the interest of time, I'm gonna I'm not gonna play that because he basically just you know if I had played it first then then Brian from Illinois would have repeated what Jason said so they're all in the same camp uh, jumping back to one last voicemail related to this top I'm sorry email related to this topic uh, Juwan says sup guys yes he actually said sup guys I think that's cool I found your podcast through the listeners also like section of Stitcher. If you guys aren't listening to us on Stitcher, you should because it's very convenient. Can I say uh, something quickly about yeah, Stitcher? Please we
4: do. Um, we had fans of ours nominating us for uh, the Stitcher Awards, and stupidly I forgot to mention that last show, which probably would have been a great idea. Uh, we didn't get nominated for a Stitcher Award, but I'd like to thank everybody who was pushing it on Facebook and Twitter and retweeting and linking and uh, for the people that did nominate us. So thanks. We'll try again next year.
3: That's awesome. I found your podcast through the listeners also like section of Stitcher from listening to Bald Moves Watching Deadcast, cast. I really like you guys' analysis and conversation about the show. Like a virtual roundtable, I've added you to my favorites. Thank you, Juwan. So now that I've given praise, let me give you some shit. The debate about does the bite kill you versus they're all infected. I'm sorry I couldn't let it slide. Jim was evidence that a non-fatal bite from a walker either does cause death outright or either speeds up the existing infection. Either way, bite equals eventual death. But the big thing is that in the pilot episode, we learned this from Morgan, that it's the bite that causes the death. That's our evidence right there. That's why they were so afraid of Jim after finding out he was bit because up to that point, everybody knew that a bite leads to death. I'm leaning towards the bite speeding up the existing infection. But before the Jenner reveal, they didn't know about that, and that's the real problem in the show's logic, that supposedly everyone is infected. So if everyone is infected, that puts forth the notion that a bite or scratch no longer matters because. But we've just seen plain dead bodies in the show. Now, see, I, I wanted to read this because I don't remember this specifically, and maybe you guys can help me. He says, we've just seen plain dead bodies in the show that weren't turned. Go back to the episode 2.1. Those bodies in the cars, when they... Got stuck on the road. These people were just plain dead. They didn't look, they didn't look eaten. Uh, they weren't shot. Something killed them, but they weren't walkers. That guy that Carl stole the knives off of, where it was set up, he may have been a zombie. Nope, just a dead guy. So if everyone is infected, then why aren't they just zombie? Why are, are then Why weren't they just zombies trapped in the cars? Sorry, it seems like the show is trying to have its cake and eat it too on the whole infection angle. Sorry for being long-winded, but it's these kind of nitpick things that get the geek rage riled up.
1: I totally get where he's coming from. And I vaguely remember us discussing this when it happened, but we were trying to stay away from spoilers because we pretty much knew what the gender reveal was going to be from the comics um, at that point. But we didn't we didn't want to spoil it for anybody, so we kept it vague. Um, the two re- the two versions of how this works that I can come up with are one that the zombies or the bodies in those cars died from head wounds or they were just mummified from sitting in a car for a couple months, which works in my head. You know, if all the moisture is zapped out of that zombie's body, doesn't matter if it was a zombie at one point or not, it's just going to be dead. It's going to be a mummy at that point. Um, Or if it had, you know, head trauma from a car collision, that explains it too. The other thing that it could be is everyone is infected now, but there is a chance that I could see that, they weren't, that not everyone was infected from the start. If it was airborne, if it was something like that, it could have taken some time for the everyone is infected to actually spread to everyone. Now, granted, I don't know if that means, you know, if you died before it spread, couldn't you still come back? Couldn't, it, you know, re- uh, root in your body or something like that? I don't know, but, you know, possibly that would be an explanation that would work as well.
4: I wonder if the television show will explore the origins angle any further I mean from the CDC we already got more than we've ever gotten in the comic in terms of the infection itself I wonder if they'll go back to that at any point
1: I, I hope not honestly I mean that is kind of where you just get bogged down in the minutia and right. at a certain point there's zombies go with it you try to explain anymore you end up with a glowing cave
0: that or midichlo- or midichlorians yeah exactly
3: what about you know eventually this show is gonna um, it's gonna end you know it'll run a few seasons Hopefully more than three, yeah. Didn't did, haven't we already gotten rumors that fourth has been greenlit? Um, I think so, but I'm not entirely sure. Yeah,
4: you know what it was? It was a contest run by AMC and the prize was like be an extra in season four or something. Okay. Like it was an unofficial confirmation.
3: So eventually the show's gonna end. Are we gonna wanna have any kind of Explanation before the show no. ends, or you guys, I don't. you guys want no. it to go away and, and never have all the questions answered? I,
1: I think it's a question that never needs to be
3: answered. Yeah, it's
4: not a, it's not a mystery show to me. It's not lost. I don't care. Okay. It's zombies. On the yeah. last show, I want all of the stars to die. That's the ending for me. Not you know
0: how. Yeah, it's it's not important. It's not what. It's about the characters. It's not about how or why or the nuts and bolts of it.
4: So thanks again to everybody who uh, called and wrote emails. If you'd like to participate in the show that way, the voicemail number is 516-468-7912, or you can email comments at walkingdeadtv.com. Of course, we also have the Facebook and at TV Podcast on Twitter.
3: Okay, that, that'll wrap up our zombie bite discussion. Um, let's move on to some news that makes me a very happy boy and uh, i believe the long lost russell has just joined us as well i have and this oh, we should joined. make
1: him a very happy boy too or well you would, would think
3: so but <laughs> russell has some news of his own so let's hear let's hear uh, the real news first that's your that's you jordan
1: yes yes it is let's hear the real news first <laughs> the news is that that long running dispute between AMC, and really it's AMC's parent company because it dealt with a whole bunch of channels, and Dish has finally been settled. That's right. If you are a Dish subscriber, you have AMC again, and you also have a bunch of other channels. But, uh, Russ, why is not that not matter to you? <laughs> Sorry. Why does that no longer matter to Russ, we wonder?
6: Uh, funny story, actually. <laughs> um, we were planning on switching to DirecTV. The guy shows up. He was pretty much an a-hole. Um, we told him to leave, and uh, that was that. <laughs> oh, so um, you're you're not switching? No, so I think we're going oh, see, to I try. Didn't, and, I
3: didn't know this part of the story.
6: Yeah, the guy comes out, and you know we have an existing dish setup. This is this is probably you know a little inside baseball, but um, we have an existing dish setup. It's working fine. So, the guy didn't want to mount the new direct t v stuff the same way that the dish stuff was mounted, and he wanted to do all this crazy stuff and he was having a coronary about um about the dogs being around, which are no threat to any man, woman, or child and um After just kind of having an attitude and being a a jackass in general, um he was pretty much told to just leave and don't come back and uh so I think we're actually going to parlay, especially now that AMC is back on Dish. I think we're going to try and parlay uh, Dish Network a little harder into getting the Hopper and the Joey set up, and just basically the Hopper. Wait, there's a, to... a Joey? I'm aware of the Hopper. There's a Joey? The Hopper is the main thing. The Joey are the little boxes that you put all around the house that connect because to the Hopper. Because
4: Joey's are baby kangaroos, and kangaroos are hoppers.
6: See. I don't care what Brad said. John, you're a smart guy.
4: That's brilliant Hoppa. marketing. That's right up there with uh
3: Hooters. I'd never heard of the Joeys. I love the Hoppa commercials, but I'd never heard of the Joeys. Shut up. So any- <laughs> Shut up. I uh I had not heard the uh, the second half of that story, so it's a bit anticlimactic now that I brought it up, but
6: Yeah, it was it was uh kind of an odd uh an odd situation that that occurred, but uh
3: So, so uh we're all happy. Dish customers are all happy. Do we know the details? the details?
6: Yeah.
1: Yes, we do. It seems like Dish, or I shouldn't say it seems like it's been released. Dish had to fork over $700 million to uh, to the parent company of AMC, which means that AMC, IFC, Sundance, uh, T V and Fuse are all back on Dish now. For seven hundred million dollars. So when we were, you know, questioning how much money are we actually talking here? That's how much money. It's a lot of money. Uh, yeah. I'm that's, sure the ratings
4: listen. premiere of The Walking Dead had a little bit to do with that.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean you gotta consider this whole last season of Mad Men and Breaking Bad, neither one of them was on dish. So those shows didn't bring it back, and those are I mean, no offense to Walking Dead, but those are better shows. They didn't bring it back. Walking Dead did. So uh congratulations, Walking Dead.
6: What's funny is, uh, just as a kind of a little bit of a sidebar, last week a coworker of mine who also has Dish uh, got a $38, $30-some-odd-dollar credit um, on her bill towards purchasing, um, or on her Amazon account, to purchasing uh, the Walking Dead, like I guess season ticket or whatever you want to call it, um, to to get it the next day. So uh, now that AMC's back, she's curious as whether they're going to take that credit back or keep it. So they were... And to to Dish's credit, whatever it's worth, they were willing to um, pony up a little cash so that people could could watch the shows, which makes sense because nobody's bill went down when all this happened. So,
3: and so now we, they ponied up a lot of cash. I've got two more voice um, sorry, two more emails that we'll save for later in the show. They're short and they relate to uh, some things we'll be talking about later, so we can uh, move on from there. Rock on. So
1: we're going to start the episode talk, but before that, one last thing. Jim, why don't you tell us about our wonderful sponsor?
0: Well, our wonderful sponsor, as always, is DCBService.com. If you want to check out The Walking Dead comic books, graphic novels, or even if you want to find some really cool Walking Dead merch, uh, the best place to find it is DCBService.com, because they have 40, 50, sometimes 60% off uh, publisher prices, and you really cannot get a better deal than these. Uh, Right now on The Walking Dead side, they have this really cool... Uh, Michonne hoodie I'm looking at. It's, uh, Michonne with her two pets, uh, emblazoned on, on a black, uh, hoodie in all sizes. Small, medium, large, and X, double X. Um, those are really cool. They have, a uh, just in time for Halloween, a Rick Grimes Halloween costume. If you want to go, uh, cosplay as Rick and, uh, start your own little Rick uh, on Halloween, that's cool. And a new, uh, Walking Dead t-shirt, Stay in the House Carl, which I, I have found amusing. Also the, um... The Walking Dead Compendium Volume Two is out. That's the really big 48 issue uh, paperback book that um, that I recommend. You know, if you really want to uh, get caught up on the uh, comic book universe. And if you've never or- ordered from DCB Service before, just use the uh, code WD8 and you get an extra eight percent off. They're already really low, low discounted prices. So forty, fifty percent off, sixty percent off your comics. Your, uh, your merchandise, all at dcbservice.com. We thank them for their support.
4: Now, Jim, is that Rick Grimes' Halloween costume, the plastic mask with the little band and the staples holding it together?
0: No, this, <laughs> this comes this, uh, in a kind of... cellophane
4: box, smock.
0: <laughs> nice. No, this uh, if only. This comes with the uh, the trooper's hat, uh, his uh, his police gear, and an axe and a holster. Of course, you can practice your quick draw when you're in the bar talking about Nebraska. Um, but, yeah, I, I imagine a lot of people will be going uh, not only as zombies, but as the, the cast of the Walking Dead for Halloween this year.
6: John, you're making fun of my third-grade Boba Fett costume. I'm highly offended.
0: And my <laughs> Spider-Man costume.
3: Oh, I was thank the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> I hated it when the, the sweat started dripping out the mouth. That was gross.
4: <laughs> well, thank God for those tiny little nose
0: holes. The, yeah, uh... exactly. I always cut my tongue on the mask. You're not not supposed to eat it, Jim.
3: (laughs) You can't help but stick your tongue through that little hole.
0: You gotta sample some of that candy as you're making your rounds. (laughs)
1: Oh, lordy. Jordan, why don't you tell us about Sick? I would love to, but before I do, I just remembered one other news item that came out today that we should briefly discuss, and that regards the Walking Dead video game. That's the one that's already been coming out in chapters. I think four of five are currently out. If you want to buy all five chapters on a disc, you can do so. They're going to be doing it. It's only going to be through pre-order, so I don't think you're going to be able to go into the store and buy it. You'd have to pre-order it through GameStop. They're going to have an exclusive, you know, buy it on the disc. All five chapters for $70. Now you go, wait a second, I thought these chapters were like five bucks a piece. They are. However, in this box set, you get that. You also get a special copy of the Compendium Volume 1 with an exclusive cover. So if you don't have the Compendium, And, uh, you've already used your, you know, extra 7% on DCBService.com with something else, and you still want to get that Compendium Volume 1, and you don't play, you haven't played the game yet, which is fantastic, by the way, and you have 70 bucks to drop, (laughs) go and pre-order that from, I think it's GameStop, um, it looks like a pretty cool deal, and it's a nice cover on the exclusive, uh, exclusive compendium as well
0: even well even discounted the compendium is like 40 bucks i think so that, that's a great deal if you think about it yeah and the yeah. game
1: by itself
4: without the box set and exclusive and all that is i believe 30 bucks for the four episodes
1: something like that yeah so it, it's a good deal if you don't have uh the internet capacity to be able to download a game through steam or something like that or on xbox live or the psn network you know anything like that um this would could be your option so check that out But let's talk about Sick, gentlemen, shall we? Sure. Please. This episode starts immediately after the last episode ends, when uh, we reveal that there were five prisoners still alive in the prison. Um, They kind of uh, talk for a few seconds before Rick and the group try to get Herschel out of the prison cafeteria.
6: That whole sequence almost made me laugh because... You have this high tension moment. They are so concerned about Herschel. They're so fixated on Herschel. Even though they see these, these human survivors that. Um, one of them has a gun pointed at him. They're just going about their business like they don't even care. Like it is not phased them in the least that these guys are still alive. I mean, Daryl's got got his crossbow on him, so he's got him covered, and the rest of them are running around, you know, trying to make sure Herschel's okay. Which is, I just thought was really awesome that they these guys, you know, after dealing with all these zombies, this crew of five prisoners was inconsequential to them in what they were doing, and I just thought that was really cool.
0: I know Glenn runs right past him. He's like, "Do you have medical supplies?" And he just like. Blows them off and runs right past them to get the cart out of the cafeteria. Like they aren't even there, like you said, Russ. I also I love the last shot in this opening sequence where they just show Herschel's legs sitting on the floor and that slow pan over to the prisoners and then boom into the credits. I thought that was really cool.
6: How many of you were waiting for that leg to start moving? (laughs) Don't lie, but I was. Don't lie. Uh,
1: so after the opening credits we join up with Carol and Lori. Uh, and they, you know, the rest of the group gets there and Carol, uh, Carol and Laurie, you know, they tend to Herschel, uh, they, you know, they bandage up his leg, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, Rick confronts the prisoners cause the prisoners followed him back to the cell block. And he learns that they've been in that cafeteria for pretty much a year. They've been there since almost the beginning of the outbreak. They don't realize that the rest of the world has ended. They're, they've still been waiting for the army or the national guard to come rescue them. They've just kind of been locked in there for that long with the food. So they've been,
3: uh, They've been surviving,
1: they but poop they have in the closet. They
3: they do, and it's apparently pretty gross. And uh, that was that was straight out of the comic. I was waiting for that, and uh, they delivered. So I, was, I appreciated that.
0: Wasn't that the walk-in cooler? Yeah, they pooped yeah. in. Yeah. Hey,
3: I have a question to you guys concerning uh, closets. In between, in, no, in between the time they bring Herschel back and uh, Daryl sets up in that little room in between you know the cell block and where the prisoners are coming from and he leaves the gate the 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 gate open the the door open he throws the keys on the table and he he loads his crossbow and he just sits there and waits why did he leave the door open why wouldn't he have just locked that door to keep him out Uh, it's
1: i mean i think in his mind it's better if he can keep an eye on them if he knows exactly where they are they can't you know run around to the other side with a gun or
3: something he can see right through the bars of that
1: gate right but if they go out if they go back out the other way they might be a way back around to the other end of that prison where there's another door you know they could get the drop on them that way or something yeah you know he's just being careful i guess but i i understand what you're saying yeah
3: okay
4: probably just an oversight or throwaway. you know what i mean i I don't know that there's that much thought either way
1: he let them in because they needed to have the conversation because it said so in the script Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and that conversation, like we were saying, is the prisoners just have no idea the state of the world. It's another kind of black comic scene, and there, there's several of them throughout the episode. Like you already said, uh, we had the leg, we had you know everybody just kind of ignoring the prisoners when they're in the cafeteria, and uh, they they have to be it has to be explained to them multiple times. There's nobody coming. The world is over.
3: And, okay. I have uh, another question for you. Then go ahead. So, they go to great pains to make us aware of the fact that the prisoners don't know what's going on outside right right so they have no clue mm-hmm. but earlier when when they were pulling Herschel off the ground Glenn was getting the the uh, table as a uses a stretcher one of them says he's been bit and the one guy the main guy with the gun he says bit and he pulls his gun out and points it at Herschel right uh, what what would make him think that being bit was so serious enough that he needed to point a gun at the guy. Well, they, they know what's what happening at the
1: prison. Outside. There's zombies at the prison. They know that, but they don't realize it's the whole world. Oh, then I
3: must have missed some dialogue or something.
4: There, that, there's that, one other bit of dialogue where they're kind of explaining that they've been in there for a year, and they explain how they got the gun, because one of the guards told them sit tight and maybe explain the general idea of what was going on, and then left them with the gun and locked them in, I think.
3: Yeah, I, I got that part, but I don't remember... I'm not saying it didn't happen. I was multitasking at the time, but uh, if if they mentioned something specifically about zombies or people coming back from the dead or something no, like that no,
4: or... I don't, I don't think they did. I just kind of extrapolated from that. Okay. that he must
1: have told them some things. You know that
3: there were some weird stuff going on yeah. in the prison. Clearly, there okay. was a
1: reason they were locked in the cafeteria. I can't imagine that's an everyday yeah. thing. Okay, so yeah, I
6: think, I think. I think they were under the impression that this was somewhat localized. That okay. It's not that they were clueless as to what was going on. They just didn't know it was completely widespread. Okay, I follow you. Okay, I'm good with that. And
1: before we get any emails, we keep saying it's a year. It was ten months they've been locked in that closet, just so we're clear. Which is actually probably the best overall timeline we've gotten. If we want to assume that they were locked in within the first week, we can say now ten months since the zombies... That took over the world we're starting here Brad 200...
4: you said a year and it's 10 months you suck love, I mom. said a
1: year John <laughs> said a year I actually don't think Brad did say a year but two of us did so I just wanted to be yeah clear.
3: that's right so eat it uh, Brad still really sucks
4: up. love mom one, one of the prisoners <laughs> yeah.
3: one of the prisoners I believe said 292 days and then the one with the handlebar mustache says 294 right yeah axel
4: the prisoners are um, pretty laughable.
3: Yeah, John made a comment earlier on the Facebook uh, about how he wasn't a huge fan of this episode
4: well I don't I don't need to go too much into that yet we'll, we'll talk about it as we go but the uh, who's the head really stereotypical uh, guy with the mustache Tomas. and I'm sorry I
3: don't Tomas the guy who Rick eventually kills yes that's Tomas Tomas we We've been told what their names are, and we heard a couple of the names in the show, but I don't think we heard all five.
0: All
4: right. Yeah, on Twitter they were kind of making me laugh. They were calling him Rico Suave, and yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I think he looks like Razor Ramon for all you 1980s wrestling fans.
0: Um, Razor Ramon, nice.
4: He's just kind of la- You know, he's just kind of laughable, and, and then I guess it makes sense that he was disposed of so quickly. But I will not jump ahead. Um, I just thought they were kind of silly. I mean, is is big tiny. Is the name from the comic? I can't remember for the life of me. No, I was looking that up yeah. today. There's nobody there by that name. Because that, that was kind of, only... I get it, big, tiny, he's really yeah. big. You know, I, I don't know.
3: Only two of the five names were from the comic. And I read somewhere that one of the names, like a not of the two, but there was a third name that they had to change because one of the prisoners' names in the comic was Dexter, they didn't want to name one of these prisoners Dexter because of the very popular TV show Dexter.
1: That makes sense. So
3: yeah, so they named they kept Axel and I think Andrew was the other one. I think he's the other uh, prisoner that ended up surviving. Oscar. Get too late. Oscar. Oscar.
0: Yeah, Oscar, Oscar and Axel right. are okay. the ones who are alive still. Yeah. Okay. I love so, the I love the one part in here though where Rick is trying to break it down for the prisoners and explain to them what happened, and he's like, "No telephone." No computers, I'm thinking of Bill McDonald's. Uh, I was like, it's okay. our opening. Our it's the opening. I'm like I mean, I'm, tell me you guys didn't think of that when you said that. Which to be you fair,
1: that opening when we when I first came up with the idea of the, in season one and we kinda of spitballed it and it turned into what it became, that was taken from the back of the graphic novels. It was it was a play on words from what they said. So technically they're referencing themselves, not referencing us, but I definitely thought of it.
3: Okay, you just burst my bubble. Sorry. <laughs> we should take credit for it anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, there was something else, I thought, something else in this episode. Oh, yeah, we'll get to it later. Something else that happened in this episode that I thought, oh, somebody's been listening to our show when they wrote this episode.
1: <laughs> um, And by the way, you're right, uh, Axel and um, the, the names of the prisoners in the comic, and I don't think this is a spoiler to say – uh, what their names were there Axel Thomas Richards Andrew and Dexter oh Axel Thomas Richards Andrew and Dexter so we don't have a Dexter and we have a Tomas instead of a Thomas but Axel and Andrew are the same so in the inevitable conversation the prisoners say hey we were here first uh, this is our prison and Rick says yeah tough uh, tough noogies we're taking over and uh, th- they eventually discuss you know here's what we'll do you've got food if you give us half your food, we will help you clear out a cell block. You can stay there. You stay away from our people. This is what the deal is. And um, I, I wouldn't say they readily accept that decision, but they begrudgingly accept that that compromise.
0: The prisoners almost seem kind of impressed that they killed so many people to clear it out. You know what I mean? When they take them out to the courtyard. Yeah. You're like looking around, all the bodies are like, you guys did this and... Uh... You know, as he tries to, like, uh, negotiate his way back into their cell block, Rick's like, you know, we cleared this out. We we got out of the walkers. We spilled blood. It's our cell block.
4: And doesn't he even mention, like, doesn't he try to turn it around and say, I can't use the word that he uses, but, uh, you know, if these wusses can do it, we can certainly do it. You know, there's something to that effect where he's trying to downplay what they did to the other convicts. Yeah,
1: right, yeah. So after this happens, uh, we catch back up with Herschel who's uh, still unconscious. He's now on one of the uh, prison cots, and uh, Rick has Glenn handcuff him there just in case. And uh, at this point, Rick and Lori have a conversation where they talk about, um, you know, these prisoners could be dangerous. Rick's not exactly sure what to do, and Lori says, "You know, I I know I have, I have a clip. A... Oh I have yeah, a play clip. the clip, Brad. Please play the clip.
3: I have a clip. Look, I know that I'm a wife, and I'm not winning any mother." Really. No, you're not. But at so least she can admit it. I, who was it? Was it Jim her? No, he said Parents of the Year. I think uh, Rick and Lori Grimes, Parents of the Year. I think somebody listening to our show decided, hey, let's call her Mother of the Year. Those guys are on to something.
0: <laughs> uh, something I want to touch upon before we gloss too far ahead of it. There's that one scene with Rick where he's with uh, Glenn. He's telling Glenn that he needs him to stay there, stay there with Herschel. He needs him to be there and not leave his side. And there's that uh, and, and you know, he's like, I mean, it's gonna be hard and Glenn just says, I've got it and there's just like uh, that second that moment between those two actors, it's just like, Yes. You know, this is the Glenn and, and Rick that I know from the comic, you know, the working simpatico, working together. Glenn realizes, you know, what, what needs to be done. It's it was just a really cool, subtle moment in the episode.
3: Yeah, that's a good point, Jim. It the comic is um one of the one of the things that stands out for me a lot in the comic is is Rick. Uh, his relationship with Glenn and um just the trust that they developed and uh it's really uh translated well into that scene. Yeah, you make a very good point.
4: And everybody on Twitter loves self aware Lori.
1: Hey, it's a, it's a good step in the right direction. Yeah.
6: I I agree. Then so-
3: again, at the end of this episode and we'll get to that scene, uh I and I have another clip for it. She uh she kind of goes back and does another one eighty. Uh, on that, in my opinion, but we'll talk about it then.
4: Can I say something quickly about Twitter as well while I'm halfway on the subject?
3: Absolutely
1: not. Go ahead.
4: If your, I'm going to do it anyway. If your Twitter name is, you know, Walking Dead underscore superfan or something like that, and you've gone out of your way to follow everything that has anything to do with Walking Dead. Don't bitch when it gets spoiled during the show and you can't watch it with everyone else. Maybe skip Twitter <laughs> for an hour so you don't get spoiled. Thank you.
3: I have another comment about Twitter, and I would agree 100% uh, with what you just said. Um, people in this day and age, it, when people have such a huge online presence, and most of your online life, you know, is just permeating everything you do. Let's let's Give a moment to think about our passwords For our Twitter accounts A lot of you jokers Apparently are using the same password For everything because we're getting all kinds of Spam and direct messages And stuff uh, In our uh, Twitter account About oh my gosh this person's saying that About you let's just be smart about our passwords That's all I'm saying
4: So Walking Dead super fan If your password is Walking Dead Change it now
3: Yeah rant over
4: Or zombie (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> so rick t-dog and daryl go with the prisoners to help them clear out the cell block and somewhere around here carl comes back right after they leave or somewhere in that vicinity he comes back into the cell block drops down a bag and tells everybody uh, yeah i just went over to uh, found the infirmary here's some uh, sterile bandages killed two walkers on the way but no big and uh <laughs> Lori immediately goes you know, basically thank you but that was incredibly stupid he tells her, uh, you can't tell me what to do, yada, yada, yada. He gets yelled at, and uh, he kind of backs down.
0: Oh, now she starts parenting. Little, little, uh, too little too late there, Laurie. Sorry about that.
6: I, I thought the Carl thing was kind of cool. And the capper for me was, you know, he tells Lori, you know, get off my back. And she's not sure what to say. And it isn't until Beth says, that's your mother. You don't talk to her like that. That Carl, you know, because you know we've already seen the the beginnings of like a, a schoolboy crush or whatever that carl has for beth and i'm sure that just like destroyed his uh 12 year old heart when when uh when she told him that and then you know he kind of goes back into kid mode at that point because he kind of just looks like the hurt little boy and then goes and runs off so i thought that was a cool moment for carl to come back to to being you know to to acting more like a kid Then we especially we just saw where he just ran off, killed a couple zombies and brought back a bunch of meds, you know, thinking he was the big shot. And I'm sure a lot of that had to do with the fact that he's trying to impress Beth. He's trying to show that he's, you know, he's not a little kid. He's, you know, he's becoming a man. So I I just thought that was a really cool moment
1: that didn't even cross my mind. But I think you're spot on
6: that. And the fact that it's been a long time since we could say, where the hell is Carl?
1: (laughs) Get in the cell, Carl. Uh, So, we'll get back to Rick and and the group going through the prison, but I just want to get through the other stuff here, because it's all together. Uh, Carol goes to Glenn, and she says, I need you to help me with something. He's like, you know, Rick told me to stay here. I need to stay with Herschel. But, you know, she gets him to come with her. They go out into the prison yard. They kill a female walker. And uh, it's explained that if Herschel dies, he's been showing uh, Carol some medical, you know, tips and tricks of the trade. But she's still not confident with a lot of it, and if he's dead, a he's a veterinarian, and so he's never done a human C-section. But uh, you know, Carl was born by C-section. Lori is already past due. They she she wants to get some practice, so they kill this zombie, and she decides she's going to uh, you know practice on female zombies doing you know fake C-sections to make sure that she doesn't you know nick any vital uh, major organ. So, and I, I love Glenn's little speech to her of look. What you're doing is not insane, but are we sure we want to do this? I I thought it was kind of brilliant and and a really funny kind of uh, you know again more black comedy of yeah, this is kind of insane, but it also might be just insanely smart at the same time.
3: Yeah, he says um, he says what what you're talking about is completely sane, and he says it more than once, and it's almost like he's trying to comfort her, but he's almost trying to convince himself that this is this is not going to be a bad idea. Yeah, this is. This is sane. what you're talking about makes sense. And you can tell in inside he's his alarms are going off like this is really kind of creepy. And I'm wondering, guys, and fellow comic book readers, if this is the first sign of the Carol that we know from the comics. And I'll leave it at that. You guys know what I'm referencing?
6: Yeah, 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 yeah. I, t- I totally do. I totally do. Um, the other thing I thought that was interesting with that scene is the hesitation they had with killing that female, you know, they've gone through and killed zombies left and right. No remorse, no thoughts, no nothing. And when it just seemed like that, they're making a conscious decision to kill this Walker. um, And it just like, it made them hesitate. And I just thought that was really interesting that again, it kind of shows a little bit of their humanity creeping through, you know, that they, that they don't, that they aren't just completely cold and heartless all the time that, um, you know when they have to actually stop and and make a concerted effort to either do something or not do something that that you know the conscience weighs in and I I thought that was that stuck out to me.
0: Uh Carol, I think it was pretty telling that Carol killed the girl zombie herself. Like Glenn was already doing do and, and she's like no no I will. And she you know made it a little more personal I thought it was a very telling that uh, moment there. Has Carol yeah,
4: killed many zombies on screen?
1: Uh she did when they were taking over the prison yard. Because I still, I
4: don't know, I, I kind of got the feeling from it that she just hadn't done it very often. Um, I, I get what you guys are saying, and you may be right, that it's more that it was like more of a personal thing, and, and she had to do this to this female and felt bad about it or, or whatever. But I just got the feeling like that she really doesn't kill too many, and this one she thought, I better do this one on my own.
3: Could be, yeah, that's fair. You know, Rick made a comment in the first episode about how she had... Uh, Started to become a pretty good shot, you know. So apparently she's been stepping it up, and maybe she has been killing a few here and there, but it still I, makes I, sense,
4: I, though, right? Because killing yeah, long no, it range does. with a gun or up close, stabbing sure. it in the eye, it's different, you know.
3: I wondered, and I was going to ask you guys, why you thought that Carol felt that she needed to do that. Is it because if she was going to, for lack of a better word, violate this zombie via a medical procedure? <laughs> That she might as well be the one to put it down to begin with.
0: Plus, I think it's helping her get over her squeamishness. I mean, she doesn't have any uh, expertise cutting into the human body, you know. I mean, this could be the first step toward her kind of getting over that a little more, uh, you know, jaded to that and a little more able to be able to do surgery on Lori at the time, you know, if and when, when the time comes.
4: And it definitely has something to do with this being a young girl and her losing Sophia. You know, there's some
1: correlation there, I think.
3: Yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but I can, I can see that, too. Yeah, that's a good
0: good point.
1: So we see Carol uh, you know, take down the zombie. She brings it inside, or not inside of the prison, but inside the, uh, the fence, and she cuts into it, and we can see, we get a point of view shot from in the trees and the bushes. We don't see who's watching her, but it's made very clear through the way the shot is framed that someone is watching her cut into this zombie and perform the, the practice C-section from the outside of the prison. Who it is? Uh, I'm sure we'll find out eventually, but uh, we, we don't know right now.
3: I think we've been given a clue as to who it is if you saw the preview for next week. But we're not going to talk about that.
1: <laughs> okay. But, but I, I think you're probably right. Uh, back inside the prison with, with Herschel, uh, Herschel eventually stops breathing. Well, for first Maggie kind of sits down with him. She, she ushers everyone out. She holds his hand. She talks to him. She basically says, we're going to be okay. You know, Beth and I have each other. Don't fight it. Don't You don't have to hold on for our sake. If it's time to go, you, you can feel at peace going. And then uh, eventually he stops breathing. Uh, the others rush in. And Lori in what I would say is a very reckless and stupid move. But you know, props to her, I guess. She gives Herschel CPR. And then it looks like he comes back as a zombie and grabs her. But it's just him coming back uh, from the brink. And uh, and being given back breath, and she saves his life.
4: I was so happy for a second. I was, you like, know, what <laughs> this is a three for one. Like because you know anybody that listened last week in a, in a half ass sort of prediction, I don't think they're going to be toting around a newborn baby. I don't think they're going to have Herschel you know, hopping along on one leg. So I'm thinking, in one really cool twist, we just killed all the birds with one stone. But I should have realized that it was probably very unlikely, and uh, it certainly was.
1: (laughs) It was a great jump scare, though.
3: For half a second, um, first off, I will say that I did expect uh, something like this to happen when she started mouth-to-mouth. I thought, okay, this is not good, um, and he's going to come back and blah, blah, blah. But what I did expect was to see her uh, escape from Herschel's grasp and for her to come up and then to have both of her lips missing. (laughs) <laughs> like he bit them off but I honestly expected to see That and like this was the end of Lori's story but part of me Was a little disappointed part of me wasn't Alas it was not to be
4: It was more it's not that I want to See Laurie or Herschel Gone so much as I'm all for things That I don't see coming at all So either one of them not making It through this episode would have been like A great moment for the show I think Even though you know, you might like either character.
1: Right. Right, right, So while the, all this is going on, you know, cutting back and forth, we also have the story of Rick, uh, Daryl and T-Dog and uh, the five prisoners who are going to go clear out the other cell block. So they give the prisoners, you know, a bunch of blunt tools and they, they tell them, you know, you got to go for the head. You know, you can only kill him by killing the brain. And this is again, setting up another one of those really darkly funny scenes. Uh, I, I know Jim liked, liked it. And I'm sure he'll talk about it in a second. But uh, they're like, you know, we got this. If anybody knows how to kill and how to, you know, you know, protect ourselves, it's us. You know, we're in prison after all. So they go and they open the doors and <laughs> it is it actually reminds me of a scene that happened in Breaking Bad at the end of last season. But basically, it's just a prison fight where, you know, they're knocking the zombies down and they're just kicking them. They're shoving them in the chest over and over again. And, you know, just doing a all around, you know, if this was an actual fight, you know, great. If this is trying to kill zombies, a terrible job and you know Rick, T Dog, and Daryl are just kind of looking on like, are you kidding me? What is with these noobs? And it's a really, really funny scene.
3: I love the look on T Dog's face when it, it the camera pans from Daryl to Rick over to T Dog. He's he's just got this look on his face like these guys.
1: Did you not hear anything we said?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was great.
4: Something occurred to me during the scene and it kind of gave me like a new perspective on the show. I'll I'll try to be as short as as possible with this, but this show has a very difficult line to toe in terms of zombie action. You know, anytime a lot of this happened during season two, there'd be like one or no zombies for an entire episode. Right. And the complaints would of course be, you know, where are the zombies? But when they do what they did this show, when there's just hordes and hordes of them and they're being killed in jest, and Carl can run off and kill three of them with no help, it almost has totally minimalized the danger of the zombies so it, to me it's like a very interesting line that they have to tow and it's funny because the the posters and the tagline for this season, and I'm going to totally screw it up and forget it but you want it to has tell you some...
1: exactly what it is before you say it. Tell me it. Fight the dead, fear the living.
4: Right, exactly. So they've almost possibly moved on from, okay, the zombies are not going to be the super threat. They're going to be around, and they're always going to have to be dealt with when they rush at you and stuff. But the real threat is now coming in the living. Uh, And that's really why the comic has always been so awesome. So... It's almost like for me it was almost like a transition, like, wow, they're joking around, killing all of these zombies, and you know laughing at how stupid these guys are and, and it's like it's a threat, but it's not like a serious, heavy threat, and we know we have the governor and Merle and all these other things coming up, and I just think it's showing like a bit of a shift in in the show itself,
1: I think you're absolutely right, and I love it. I think this is this is where. Zombie movies, zombie books, and, uh, you know, zombie TV show, this will be the first one, but where they really thrive is where they get past the point of zombies are the threat to zombies are a nuisance, and you really get to see how society is degraded and how, you know, man's inhumanity towards man becomes the real issue.
3: We've said this ad nauseum, but that's why the comic is so good. It's a zombie comic, but it's more about the characters and the people. You know, the zombies are the the background event, and like any drama i've said this before like any good drama it doesn't matter what the setting is if it's the characters are are written right and acted well that's the main thing you know it could happen on a space station and it would still be as compelling so yeah it's it's uh i think i think you may be right about that John. i think uh, especially knowing that the governor story is coming i think that's really uh what's going to happen this season
1: so they kind of redo, they tell everybody, okay, C-minus, y'all did terrible, now we're going to do this again, this is how you need to do it, and they, they, you know, do round two, and they're doing very well until a zombie gets behind Big Tiny and scratches him, and uh, all the other zombies are taken out, but, you know, they, they're all kind of freaking out, they're saying, well, why can't you just do what you did with the other guy, and, you know, hacked off his leg, he was fine, or, you know, he could be fine, and they basically saying, you know, what are we going to do, hack off his back? There's nothing we can do at this point. So they're all kind of standing around looking at Big Tiny and nobody's really making a move until Tomas steps up and uh, takes his blunt instrument of choice. It looked kind of like a fire poker. I'm not exactly sure what it was. And he proceeds to bash in Big Tiny's skull over and over and over as he's just covered in his blood. Um, And everyone kind of looks on, I'd say horrified would be the word.
0: Yeah, a few more times than he really needed to.
1: And by a few, we mean about 16 times more. What right. was Big Tiny doing right
4: before he gets scratched? Was he trying to get out of the action he f- or make a he run freaked for out. it?
1: He kind of separated yeah. himself and went after a couple straggler zombies, Well, and he, another one came around was, the
3: corner. He was freaking out, like Russ said, and he was backing away from from all the, the yeah. zombie killing. You know, he, he was freaked out, and then it, he just happened to back
6: up to a corner where a
3: zombie comes walking around. And um, and that was the zombie who was in the handcuffs, right? And pulls his hand right off.
1: Yeah.
6: yeah, yeah, he pulled his hand off.
3: There was one thing I that I wanted to mention in the previous, in the first attempt at the zombies or at the prisoners, uh, helping to kill zombies, when they just kind of went wild and and weren't doing it the right way. I thought it was funny that Big Tiny actually grabbed a zombie from behind and held it still while another guy was in front of it punching it in the gut and stuff. Yeah, All I think that was there. Axel. Axel was just shiving him over and over. Again. Yeah. I thought that was funny that Big Tiny was, like, so big and strong that he could just hold this zombie, and the zombie couldn't get away and, and move. I, I meant to mention that earlier, but... Right. Yeah, he he was freaking out, and he just... You know, he, from the moment we, we saw Big Tiny, I never felt threatened by him. I always felt like he was harmless, and um, he kind of proved that to me when he backed away from the fighting and the killing and just happened to back into uh, the zombie there, the handcuffed zombie. Right. So they,
1: you know, all this goes down, Big Tiny's dead, they're down to four prisoners, three of our guys. They get to the cell block, and uh, Rick tells Thomas Tom- to open one of the doors so they can, you know, c- you keep the zombies funneled in. And uh, Thomas instead throws open both doors, and there's kind of a big bedlam, and all the zombies are coming through, uh, the zombies come through, and... Uh, I think at one point, you know, they're all fighting, he swings, did he have a machete? I forget which weapon he had, but he swings it, and it almost hits Rick, you get kind of a speed ramping slow-mo scene, or shot, where Rick kind of ducks back, and it just misses him, uh, they keep fighting, and then Tomas grabs one zombie and throws it directly at Rick, and knocks Rick over, and Rick's kind of got to hold it off until Daryl can come through, and I think he stabs it in the head, and, uh, you know, they they kill all the zombies, and, uh. Tomas basically goes, uh, "Look, man, it was just you know an accident. I didn't really mean it, but you can tell he does." And there's some great dialogue where you know they're they're staring each other down. It's almost uh, you know almost a Mexican standoff type feel from like a cowboy movie. And Rick's got his machete in hand, and uh, Rick just straight out murders Tomas. He hits him square in the middle of the forehead, chops his head. Uh, well, it would have been in ha- in half if the uh, if the machete went down further, but you know right through the skull.
0: I mean, you're gonna have to you're, you're gonna have to bleep it, but that was like the whole the line of the show for me right there. I mean, it's just yeah. uh, they had that minute when they were looking at each other. He goes, oh, I get it. <laughs> happens, and then he buries that machete in Tomas' skull, just you know that quickly. It was just another one of those moments, like in the episode of Nebraska, where Rick just goes from you know he immediately sees what what you know what he needs to do and does it. You know, very decisive Rick. Uh, that we've seen in this season so far, and I I think that's great. It just really was an awesome moment. I thought that was the best line in the show, too.
4: That was actually a little bit of my problem with it, was that it it seemed the same as Nebraska. You know, new, new people, they're a threat, Rick shows us that he means business. Like, I felt like I'd seen it before, certainly more brutal than, you know, a gunshot. But I was actually hoping for these guys to be introduced into the group for a little while and see how that dynamic works out, but I guess that's not what was planned.
6: Yeah, I thought this was a little more brutal. I think in Nebraska, he kind of got an inkling that these guys were up to no good, but I think he was still kind of feeling them out, you know, kind of asking questions, looking to see. With With this group, I think he knew right away that these guys were up to no good and where this thing was going right off, and... When, when it actually did happen, there was a lot more, I think, anger. Like, he knew when he squared off what, how that was going to end. Um, and I think up until the last minute, maybe, he did, He thought there, with in Nebraska there might have been a way out. But I, I thought for a minute that he was just going to lop his head clean off. Like, he wasn't going to go for the overhead swack. He was just going to, you know, come around and just, just lop his head clean off. Yeah, I thought um, the same
1: thing. I thought it was almost going to be a mirror of the slow-mo scene where he ducks the weapon coming at his head. And but it was just going to be the reverse, and him swinging in the same arc and chopping off his head.
6: Yeah, but but yeah, that was, that was a cool scene. I liked this scene because it mirrored—mirrored
3: um, mirrored isn't exactly the right word. It it was very similar to a, a scene out of the comic when um, Rick and the group, including some of the prisoners that had been integrated into the um, group for a while, they were having to clear out some zombies, and uh, the same type of things thing happens, one of the prisoners, you know, takes a shot at one of the group, I won't be specific, and then one of the group retaliates in a fashion similar to what we saw on the show. I just thought it was neat that they were kind of doing a nod to the comic at that point.
1: Yeah, it was a very similar setup. It just happens later on in the story in the the book. Yeah. So after Rick kills Tomas, his kind of, you know, you, you got the four prisoners left. You got Axel and Oscar. Who have kind of I wouldn't say they've been quiet, but they haven't been, they haven't been the angry guys who've been up in Rick's face. They've been more like, guys, can't we talk this out? And uh, Andrew is kind of a little bit more squirrely. He seemed to have been siding with Thomas. Well, the moment Tomas is killed, he bolts, and he heads right through the doors uh, where they were before. And uh, T Dog and Daryl draw down on on Oscar and on Axel, and Rick just hightails it right after Andrew. He chases him through the prison and what I thought was kind of pretty reckless. I mean, you can get turned around. You don't know what's going to be around the corner, but whatever. He's in full-on chase mode, and uh, An- Andrew runs right out the prison into the yard into uh, a kind of walled-off section where there's a ton of zombies, and Rick's right behind him, and uh, he tries to get back in, but Rick slams the, the cell door shut, and uh, he leaves Andrew to die.
6: He says, you better run.
3: Yeah. You could, when uh, when Rick headed back into the prison and he shut the door you could hear what was going on outside. And, and for a second there, it almost looked like Rick, like it was really affecting Rick, like he was kind of sick to his stomach, like he realized what he had to do, but it still wasn't acceptable, you know? He he had to make a tough choice. And um, we didn't mention this earlier, but in the scene where Lori says something about her being Mother of the Year when she was talking to Rick, she says to him, what are your other options? And he says, oh, I could kill the prisoners. And she said, I want you to know that I don't think you're a bad guy. I don't believe you have malice in your heart at all. You're just having to make some some tough decisions. And this right here was, to me, it illustrated that that he had to make a hard decision. It was best for the group, but it still affected him when he shut that door and he could hear the prisoner outside dying, that he looked for a moment to me like he wanted to throw up, you know. And um, I still... I still like seeing that bit of humanity in Rick, that he hasn't fully, you know, gone off the deep end yet, but he realizes he's got some hard choices to make.
1: Right. So Rick makes his way back to T-Dog, Daryl, Axel, and Oscar, and, uh, you know, they're still on their knees. They got guns pointed at their head. uh, One has a gun pointed at his head. The other has a crossbow. And uh, I think it's Axel who speaks first, and he basically just pleads for his life. He says, you know, uh, you know, I, I like the pharmaceuticals, but I'm not a killer. I'm not. I'm not like these other guys, or I wasn't like Thomas and Andrew anyway. You know, there's there's no reason to kill me. I just want to live. And uh, Rick kind of points his gun away from it at that point, and then turns to to Oscar, and uh, I, I guess he pulls out the machete, puts it right to Oscar's throat, and Oscar says, "I've never begged for my life, uh, ever, and I'm not going to start now. You know, pretty much do what you have to do." and we then cut to, uh, directly to them walking into the cell block, and at first we don't see Oscar, so we don't know whether he's been killed, whether he's you know they've let him live. But then we eventually see that yes, he is alive, and they leave Axel and Oscar with uh, with their portion of the food in cell block. Uh, I want to say might have been D, but uh, a different cell block than uh, Rick's group is in, and basically this is where you're staying. I don't want to see you near our people. Have a good life.
6: And it was really creepy too, with all those bodies that were outside the open doors of the cell face down with zip ties on their backs and bullet holes in their heads. So at some point I guess the guards knew what was going on and in order for them not to become walkers coming after them, they just executed all the prisoners. And I thought that was, that was really eerie to look down that block and just see, you know, body after body after body like that.
1: Kind of like what we saw in the pilot in the hospital, you know? Well, I guess it was in the, in the hospital we saw that, you know, the rows of bodies, but then in the flashback in like episode, Four or five of season one, where um, uh, where Shane was in the in the hospital, and he saw the you know the people getting gunned down live, people getting gunned down by the government. It reminded me of that.
3: Yeah. I'm glad you said that, Russell, because I was trying to figure out how that would have happened. You know, how would those prisoners have been zip tied and executed in that f- fashion, and why? Maybe not how, but why? But that what you said makes complete sense. And I guess it kind
1: of ties back into why the one guard would have locked them into. Uh, the cafeteria. Maybe he saw what was going on, or he heard yeah. what was going on, and he was kind of like a conscientious objector type deal. He didn't want to have to do that to maybe these guys who were under his watch. So Rick comes back to the main group. Uh, everybody's back together. Herschel's back. They have a nice heartfelt scene where first you know Rick's holding his hand, kind of welcoming him back to the land of the living, and then uh, he brings over Maggie and and Beth, and and they they end that scene that way. And then uh, Rick and Lori go up into this uh, kind of I wouldn't say catwalk, but it's a fenced in overhead uh, bridge between two cell blocks and they have this conversation where again, Lori's kind of trying to, to comfort Rick into, a, you know, atone for what she's done in the past and Rick is really distant and uh, I, I get this, the episode and the scene ends where he kind of, he just puts his hand on her shoulder and he says, what does he say, something along the lines of, we're all really proud of what you've done or something along those lines. We,
3: we appreciate yeah. We all appreciate what you did. I he, is
1: this where
4: he says, "I don't think you're a bad uh, mother"? Right, right. <laughs> and and yeah, in, yeah. He doesn't mention the wife part.
1: Right, but it, it ends with her, with him doing, with putting his hand on his shoulder and saying what what Brad said, and then he kind of he, he looks very dis and he looks very much in shock, and he walks back into the cell block, leaving her alone. As she, she, she seems as she has mixed emotions, but she's kind of upset, kind of smiling and uh, she puts her chin down right on where he was touching her shoulder, and that's where we end the episode.
3: I have another audio clip here uh, near, from the... Near... We'll
2: start cleaning tomorrow.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we'll give Carl a safe place to do whatever he does these days.
3: Did that Did that line strike anybody as really weird?
1: Well, it's, I think it's a reference to him never being in the house.
3: I know. I, I'm wondering if if she was... Commenting on that, or just commenting on the fact that she's not a great mom and she can't keep track of her kid, or yeah,
4: and he was out that, killing three zombies and getting medicine yeah. earlier, and she had no clue. Yeah.
0: And she yelled at him for it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> six of one.
3: I just thought that was it. Made me giggle when she said that, because it's almost like she's realized that there's nothing she can do about it. You know, Self-aware, she's basically Lori. lost. Yeah, she's basically lost any control she ever had as a mother. Oh, I have um, an email that I wanted to read that relates to, I'll use the word that they use in this email, the standoffishness that he displays to um, Laurie. Dustin says, Hey guys, love the show. I wanted to send you a possible scenario regarding the passage of time. I think that it could be argued that only four months of time has passed since last season. If this is the case, then it would make it more likely that the baby is Shane's since this would push the conception date back to early summer, assuming that it is now the spring, they indicate in the show that she is very close to full term, and if Rick realizes that she is too pregnant for the baby to be his, then it may explain his standoffishness in the episode. What do you guys think?
1: I think that's certainly part of it, but I mean, they have a lot of problems beyond just that.
4: Yeah, I think he's kind of known all along, right? And He's just avoided talking about it
0: yeah that's just like one ingredient in their giant beef stew of dysfunction
4: <laughs> and zombies <laughs> and zombies the, um, <laughs> it's
3: the cumin if you will From you know from what I remember of their relationship at the end of season 2 he seemed to be much more concerned about her much more like still in love with her and I think something else has really happened over these months you know during the time jump that we're not privy to yet possibly Although the last scene we saw them in in season two, she was yelling at him.
4: Yeah, I mean, it could just be more course correction for Glenn Mazzara. Like, Lori's really been brutal, so Rick should probably hate her at this point.
1: And I know a lot of people on our Facebook group were saying, man, he just wants nothing to do with her in that last scene. He, you know, he just wants to get out of there as fast as possible. I, I think that's a valid reading. I think an, an equally valid reading, though, is that this is kind of his first step towards reconciliation with her, and he just doesn't know how to do it. And I think that's kind of how she took it, too. She wasn't sure if he was reconciling or if he was being distant, but she was willing to take that touch on the shoulder as a positive. I mean, that's I mean that's what I took with her putting her chin down right on where he had touched her. I mean, if that was all she was getting at that point, she was going to accept it.
0: Well, there was a whole part of the conversation, too, where Laurie's like, what are we going to do, get a divorce? You know, am I going to get half of your assets or whatever? I mean, you know, the, those kind of conventions that, you know, Probably would have happened, and you know, if life had gone on normally, It's just kind of out the you know options that are out the window right now. So,
3: so do we want a buster rate? I'll give it uh, three and a half busters. It's certainly better than a lot of what we saw last season, uh, but there have been episodes that I've enjoyed more. But it certainly was good. I enjoyed it. Maybe even almost a four on this one.
6: I'll give it four and a half. I really enjoyed this a lot. I think um, again, it kind of showed the group working as a team i think there was a little bit of elements of subtle humor to kind of break it up a little bit um you know we're kind of seeing too that there could be a split in the group and you know we're not they're they're not trying to be all over the place in one episode you know we didn't see any of of um uh, of andrea and michonne this episode and there was enough going on in this one that i didn't really notice it whereas i think if they would have split that time it would have really impacted what we saw in this episode. So, um, I, I just, I really like the direction they're going this season and it started off with a shot and just, you know, it's just, it just keeps going. So I'm, I'm much more impressed with, with the way things are season three than season two. And, and I was just fine with season two. So
1: I will give this one another 4.25. I liked it pretty much on par with last week's episode. Um, I think, the, the highs of last week's episode were better than this one's, but I didn't think uh, I, I thought this one was more consistent than last week's
0: I give this one a 4 um, I, I I liked it, there were some parts that, that I didn't like, some of the uh, prisoners were kind of, you know, out of you know central casting stereotypes uh, John brought that up and that was a really good point um, I thought you know the action was really good I mean four is really is you know it's still a really good episode, but uh it, I didn't like it as much as last week's episode, but I must say I really do appreciate the 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 pace and the tone that uh, season three has so far. I mean we have a lot more going on, the story's moving a lot quicker you know things are, are actually happening uh so i'm I'm really appreciative of that
1: and now to depress us all <laughs> no i
4: i didn't hate it um I thought the first half was really slow, and I found myself feeling bored uh, a couple of times. Um, I did miss Michonne and Andrea in that first half, where I thought maybe they could have picked the pace up a little bit by giving us an update on what was going on with them. Um, I I liked the second half a lot when it it sort of went off the rails with the action and the and the gore and everything that that was good. So. Pretty much, I thought the first half was a two and the second half was a four. So I'm going to sit right at a three. Um, I didn't think it was bad, but I didn't like it nearly as much as the premiere. And so I'm hoping that I'm going to be slotting a lot of shows in between, you know, my three and my four and a half of last week.
1: So to sum that up, worst episode ever?
4: Not ever. <laughs> you know, if I look back, it probably is my worst rated ever, but I don't, you know, all right,
3: 3.25. You happy, Jordan? Uh, I'm ecstatic. <laughs> John, this episode was better than 90% of the first half of season two.
4: Yeah, I think, I think the end of season two and the premiere of season three spoiled me a little bit, and this show is probably on par with that stuff before, like you just mentioned, but. I don't know, maybe coming off the premiere, the the first half of this one seemed extra slow to me. Um, I didn't really like the Carl running away. Uh, I get it. I'm glad that uh, Russ explained it the way he did. I I think I probably like it a little bit more now. Um, But I didn't like it when I saw it. And, uh, yeah, the prisoners were kind of lame and, you know, they got killed right away. But whatever, Uh, 325
1: And our buddy Aaron Neuwirth from the Out Now with Aaron and Abe podcast, which you can find on HHWLOD.com. That's one of our sister podcasts, and we love them very much. He wrote in with his review. He says, Sick delivered on what had previously been set up in last week's episode. While a bit of a slowdown compared to the rock-solid season opener, there was still a nice combination of zombie-related action and character beats. Main thing to point out, the Rictatorship is in full effect at this point, but it seems to be taking its toll on Rick. Rather than drag something out, Rick's decision to straight-up machete Thomas in the head was a clear sign of him making the tough choice right away, which is something the show will be better for and something that proves how interestingly dark things will be for Rick this season. Also, Herschel didn't die... yet. Happy that Scott Wilson is still sticking around a little while longer and also happy that it gave some nice time to Maggie and Glenn to an extent. As for Lori, while still not a favorite character, the continuing insistence of the writers to practically be saying, "Hey, we know you don't like her, here's Lori 2.0 has at least made me feel sorry for her, especially after Rick's "ice cold, we're grateful for what you've done," line. Lastly, I like that we're giving Carol something to do. Now, if get the same now if we get the same thing for T-Dog, everything will continue to be just as solid in this pretty strong start for season 3. So, two big tinies, which equals 4 out of 5 busters. that Aaron. <laughs>
4: I like that. I like that T-Dog. Well.
1: Although, I mean, T-Dog, I mean, he's getting more lines slowly but surely. Hopefully that broadens into an actual, I don't know, an arc or a story or something. But he's definitely getting in on the action. I mean, he's always there you know, kicking butt. So at least he's got that going for him so far. I mean, he, he is rocking that riot shield. He's the only one who's picked up one of those things and is really using it to its full extent.
6: Yeah, I was gonna say, smartest man in the room. I mean, if I were the rest of them, why wouldn't you I uh, maybe blind spot, but I'd be I'd get every piece of armor, riot gear, um, you know, shield, whatever I could to to stop that from going on. So every time I see T Dog, I'm like, he knows what's going on.
1: And the zombie apocalypse Russ would be Iron Man. <laughs> yes. I have some Twitter uh, ratings. We
4: have uh, crispy Lunkett gave it a four and a half. Great uh, Twitter. Michelle- name. Michelle gave it a four, a bit slow in parts, but the all-new Rick. Uh, but this new Rick, all I can say is wow. Uh, Allison, three and a half. First half moved way too slowly, but the second half turned it around, so her and I feel sort of the same, I would say. Shannon gave it a five. Leslie gave it a five. Uh, the Meat Tornado gave it 4.3. That's definitely my favorite Twitter name. Another good 2. one. 2.5 yeah. from Joe Jans. If we don't see Michonne soon, I'm going to go bust there. <laughs> and uh, 4.25 from Jimmy in Georgia, 4.5 from Whitney, and uh, 4.5 from Tammy. So thanks a lot to everyone. Oh, one more, Lynn, four out of five, worst block party ever. <laughs> so, yeah, we have some cool Twitter friends that uh, participate and make me laugh while the show is on. So thanks
3: and change your passwords people yes
4: yes
0: <laughs> on the Facebook side of things we had a lot of uh, high high ratings for this episode as well Leslie gave it a 5, Crystal gave it a 4.75, Rick Tatorship in full effect our podcasting buddy Donny Salvo from the h h w l o d Network and the PKD Media Black Box gave it a 4.5 uh, Evard gave it a 4.5 out of 5, he'd give it higher but I suspect there will be better episodes yet to come Uh, Rob gave it a four, seven, five. We have five Oz rejects out of five (laughs) from Mike Jones. (laughs) Very good. Uh, So a lot of high ratings from our, from our Facebook group.
1: Russ, why don't you tell us a little bit about Wizard World Austin before we end?
6: Yeah, this coming weekend, as, as you listen to this podcast uh, on release week is Wizard World Austin in Austin, Texas. Um, I'll be there this weekend. I know Michael Rooker is going to be in attendance. Norman Reedus is going to be in attendance. Um, I think um, Chandler Riggs is going to be there. He seems to be at all those Texas conventions. Um, so stay tuned. I'm not making any promises, but there might be some stuff on the feed. I might be able to pick up some some goodies at the con that we might uh, throw in the prize bucket. Um, so so keep keep an eye out for some Wizard World action this coming weekend. And if if uh, if you're going to uh, be there this weekend, uh, drop me a, a line out on Twitter at r latham. Um, maybe we can have a have a Walking Dead meetup of, of sorts.
1: And that's the letter R-L-A-T-H-A-M.
3: Along
6: Correct. those same lines,
3: this past weekend was Dallas Comic-Con fan days. Um, Steven Yoon was supposed to be there. I was going to try to meet him and interview him, but for some reason he had to cancel his appearance. So I haven't heard why he had to do that or if everything's cool with him. I'm sure everything is, but uh, I was a bit disappointed that I didn't get to uh, see him.
1: Alrighty, I'm going to close out the show now. Of course, after the end-liner, we'll give a short synopsis of next week's episode. So if you want to avoid spoilers, skip that. And then remember, at the end, if we have any, which there probably will be, because uh, I've heard the whole episode, spoilers, um, bloopers at the end. So stick around for that. Uh, so until next time, you can always contact us. You can find all of our contact information at uh, walkingdeadtv.com. Where you can also find all of our other great shows. And so until there's no more room left in hell in the dead walk the earth, remember... You've been pardoned by the state of Georgia. Now get out. Have a good week, everybody.
6: Good night. Good night. Later.
1: Alrighty, and again, spoiler warning. You know, slight spoilers, of course. Next week's episode, Walking Dead Season 3, Episode 3, will be called Walk With Me. And the synopsis we have from AMC is, After witnessing an accident, Andrea and Michonne, woo, are introduced to a new community of survivors. As conflicts arise with their new acquaintances, a decision must be made. So I cannot wait to see that one.
4: Do you think they go all Andrea and Michonne where they're at? And probably, we'll yes. see
1: the other group? I think that would be the way to go. And then after that, they'll probably, you know, go back and forth in, in the episodes. But, you know, I think it was important for them to have this setup up episode with the prisoners. It'll be important for them to have a setup up episode with those two and the, the people they meet. And then afterwards, once we've had that set-up, that foundation laid, we can cross back and forth.
3: I think the person that was in the woods spying on Carol as she was examining the body for the medical procedure I think that was probably somebody from the town of Woodbury which is where the governor is uh, because in the preview we see the governor saying something like you know you find out where they are you know give me all the information we'll go get them or something so I, I, I have a feeling it was a scout you know for the governor that had come upon the prison and saw somebody there
1: possibly we might see that same scene just from the other guy's angle next week
3: yeah yeah absolutely that would be Except
1: cool Ninja. <laughs> oh no yeah, well you know michonne's got that samurai sword so you know the ninjas are gonna be after and i know it's not technically a samurai sword whatever where it is i'm not even sure it's complicated have a good week everybody Hey, it's Jordan. Bloopers are coming up in just a second, but at first I wanted to give a little bit of context. Basically, in an effort to get this episode to you sooner, I listened back to the episode and edited it at a faster speed than it's normally played. Well, once you do that, there's really no going back. Let me put it this way. It's hilarious, as you're about to hear, and uh, I thought it'd be a fun change of pace to hear what the Walking Dead TV podcast guys would sound like if they were squirrels. Enjoy.
7: Jordan, tell us about sick. Seed. Whatever. What, last week we see. No, you're right. I'm killers. <laughs> Listeners, please Sorry. write these with this week's email about what the right real title of the episode was. That's Brad. He doesn't even know what show we're talking about. <laughs> Welcome to the S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. <laughs> <Ugh>. My apologies. <laughs> well, before... Well, you want to... Why don't you lead me back in since that one's going to go on bloopers now? Mm-hmm. Jordan. Jordan, Jordan. <laughs> it's the Jordan. Don't Trust to Bee an Apartment 3D podcast. <clears throat> Well, they had to make him look uh, Spanish because <laughs> so he was Tomas. Right. Well, the, that's that's who the actor was. I don't I don't think they could really yeah, it really handled. Yeah, I said that wrong, but screw it. We're loaded with beepers anyway. <laughs> beepers? bloopers. I don't know. These bleeds. These bleeds. Yeah, I mean, Have fun editing, Jordan. <laughs> Continue. Yeah, if you listeners, if you're wondering why you're not getting some Tuesday night, this is why. Um, Love Brad's mother, and uh, they're kind of stop. S- stop. You, I think you missed something very important. What did I miss? When they opened those two doors and they started fighting the zombies, some interesting. Things happen between. Was it tomorrow? No, No, that, that's after. That's the next. That's after Big Tiny's dead. Yeah, it's after. It is? Yeah. Yeah, it is, Brad. Because that's Not why apologies. Rick's already looking at, at, at. Well, I mean, beyond Rotologies. the fact that he's a crazy man, but. Um, Brad's right. got everything out of order. Love Brad's mom. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we should have Brad's mom on it sometime.
6: Brad's mom seems to be writing a lot of emails lately.
7: I got a note.